Hey y'all, Pastor Amel here with another episode of Sweet Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is far, far sweeter. Uh, I'm excited to be here today with my new friend, Lynn Vonsell Morris. Uh, <clears throat> she was actually giving her testimony and, and sharing with the chaplains at the St. Tammany Parish Coroner's Office uh, almost exactly a month ago. And after I heard her share her story, I said, man, I have got to have her here on Sweet Jesus, telling her story, sharing it with the world. Uh, just a, a a powerful story. And with any powerful story, there's some really sad stuff that goes along with it. But uh, just the incredible ways that the Lord has worked in Lynn's life, your life. Yes. And uh, the way you shared that story, uh, you've clearly spent a lot of time thinking about this and sharing it and talking about it. And uh, I'm just glad to have you on. I am so excited and I just appreciate the opportunity. You know, we didn't plan this and um, I prayed and asked God to just give me different platforms and new platforms, not for this conversation, but just for whatever God had in store. And when the coroner's office invited me to come and speak, I was quite hesitant for this particular testimony. Mm. But you came up to me and in that moment I knew, okay, God, you know what you're doing better than I do. <laughs> well, I found that to be the case most of the time in my life. I just don't always notice it right away. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, we are having some ice cream here too. And, you know, I love Snickers ice cream bars, and that's why they're in our freezer. And you know I tell the kids at school, and yes, give me some Lay's potato chips and a Snickers, and I'll be happy. <laughs> and so it's, this is really nice. And as we were preparing for this conversation, I started to kind of get a little bit emotional because I was like, this ice cream really takes me emotionally back to that place of innocence. Mm. Yeah. I feel, you know, it's like I feel like a kid again. Yes, I felt like a kid again that had not been broken. Oh, well, yeah. So um, that's what have, this ice cream did for we, me today. Well, and that's why I, you know, ice cream. There was a time where we were we would do devotions at home kind of after dinner and I would try to do it while we were having dessert, having ice cream or something, just because that that place of innocence, maybe, I, I don't know if I was thinking of it that way, but just what ice cream brings out. It brings out those positive emotions. Yes. yes. And why shouldn't we associate that yes. with something far better exactly. than ice cream? And, and that's Jesus. But um, so you have a lot to share, and I don't want to get in the way of that. So why don't you tell us your story? What, what is it that you shared at the the chaplain's training? Uh, what is it that makes Jesus so sweet? How has Jesus helped you overcome that break from when it used to be the, the childhood of innocence, where everything was wonderful? You look back with fondness, uh, great memories. What, what was it that changed that? Well, I'll start by letting your audience know that I'm originally from Chicago, 
and I was raised by my grandmother who was back then Church of God in Christ or apostolic or from a Pentecostal type background and so she was always at church um, I, I said I was born during a time where it was considered being born out of wedlock like I had something to do with that word wedlock and so the stigma that went with it I whatever the things that my mom went through as um, I was being birthed they transcended into my life and so I I talk about three things I talk about going from tragedy and uh, my early formative years were quite tragic from the ages of three to five I was chronically abused by my uncle while my grandmother was going to church all the time they had shut-ins and they were at church washing feet and doing everything but I was left at home because maybe I don't know but maybe because of the shame that my grandmother may have had because I was one of the only grandchildren who didn't have a father or didn't know my father Mm. Um, my grandmother had 10 children that and my mother She had four daughters, and it turns out that all four daughters were abused as children as well. Wow. It turns out that my mom was considered the black sheep of the family. And so a lot of decisions that she made, they didn't make my grandmother proud. Hmm. So as I was coming up, like I said, I was left with my grandmother from three to five. My uncle had access to me every day. And that was quite traumatic because when I would try to speak about what was going on with me, I was reprimanded. I spoke it from a child's language or vocabulary. I didn't know what the technical terminologies were. So I would say it in my own words, which probably sounded despicable. Mm. But I would get reprimanded. And so as a result of that, I kind of shut down a little bit because, you know, I wasn't getting any support in what I was trying to communicate from a child's perspective. I went to school. I remember being about seven years old now, and I'm in second grade, still living with my grandmother. And I remember my teacher saying, I've had it. I've had it. And she had had it because my behavior was so, you know, out of control. I'm sure my behavior was out of control. I'm sure I was a mouthy kid. Um, And on top of that, my hygiene was in poor uh, conditions. And so my teacher, she had had enough. And in my heart at seven, I had had enough, too. (laughs) Wow. If if you know what I left at home, I've had enough too. School was actually my place of safety. It's like nobody was going to bother me at school, you know. And so she took me to the office. They found my mother. And when they came to the school, um, I thought that I was going to be rescued by my mother. I'm with my mother. I'm no longer with my uncle. I'm going with my mother only to find out it went from bad to worse Mm. because my mother had a boyfriend who had been incarcerated and 
I have no idea why she chose to be with him, but she was with him. And so she and I have a younger brother. She took us and we stayed with her and she went to work. Now, at seven, I didn't understand the dynamics of my mother's love from her perspective. All I know is you left me with this man. Mm. And so I would wake up on the floor at my grandmother's house. We had the bed. We could at least sleep in the bed. But at my mother's house, she made pallets on the floor for for us. Mm. And so when she would go to work, we were on the floor and I would wake up to her boyfriend on the floor behind me. Mm. And this went on for some time. And then one day while she was at work and this happened around the 4th of July and and I had I have this thing about remembering dates which <laughs> I don't like to remember but I remember details and I remember dates and I try all of my adult life to not remember but in July I always struggled with July with the month of July I would always get kind of depressed and down and because I was probably memorializing my freedom that I didn't know was freedom. Mm. And I say that because on July 5th, as I recall, this was the time when it should have been over for me. My life should have been over because you hear so many stories about the stepdad, you know, messing with the kid or wind up killing the kid or whatever. And so this day, I remember this day. My screams were harder than ever before. My screams were louder than ever before. And in Chicago, you have first floor, second floor, third floor. And in between there, you can hear a lot of the uh, the echoings or the sounds, you know, that a big city would offer. And so on this day, my neighbor heard me screaming. My neighbor heard me screaming. She came, knocked on the door. She saw that I was partially clothed, and she saw him behind the door in the crack of the door, and he didn't have on any clothes. But then my eyes told the story. Mm. At my grandmother's house, I used to kind of get reprimanded for my eyes. She said, you bucking your eyes. Well, I didn't know what that meant. But I was probably communicating some, you know, whatever I was communicating. But in this moment for my neighbor, I knew what I was communicating. And I looked at her and I opened my eyes and I was looking like he's behind the door. But I did speak up and say in my own way, in my own way, I said, he keeps throwing me on the bed. That was my way of telling on him from a kid's perspective. Mm -hmm. And so that was the tragedy. Like I said, I went from, I thought I was being rescued, but I went from bad to worse for that time period. Well, my neighbor caught on and she went and she called the police. The The, the worst part about it was I thought it was going to be over. The pain can go away. You can get over all of the pain. But when when about two weeks later, I was trying to go to the restroom and my mother wouldn't let me go. And I was I was healed physically. But in that moment, when I was trying to go to the restroom and she wouldn't let me go. And when I did get to go, I saw him coming out of the restroom. That's when I spiraled. Mm. 
The physical pain was gone, but that emotional pain, that abandonment, that rejection, that you took him over me feeling kicked in. And as a child, the Bible says even a child is known by his doings. I knew in my heart that I was angry and I started to spiral. That's the tragedy part of my life. But then when I, my mom, we, 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 we finally got out of that situation. We finally got out. My mom later remarried and she married a minister. And so we had to go to church even more so. <laughs> but we move on from tragedy to tenacity. And my father, the man who I call my father, is the man that my mother married. And he provided some type of stability for our lives at this point. And so I, uh, he, he insisted on us getting an education. He insisted on us being mannerable because my manners were off the chain. <laughs> it's like no adult could tell me what to do because adults had failed me so much. Yeah. So I I had no respect for authority figures in my own little kid like way. I, you know, it's like, let's test the system, you know. And so my, but my father, he he was in the military for a little while. So his thing was, I'm going to break you down and then I'll build you up. (laughs) And I said, and you're going to work hard for it too. (laughs) So, so, you know, I, I, yeah, I made him earn his keep. Wow. You want to yeah. be, you want to be my stepdad. I, you going to earn it. You know, it's and that. And all of that is trust. That just boils down to trust. And so I went to school and I had a seventh grade teacher. I always give, uh, you know, mention her, Miss Ethel Adams. She's still alive. And Miss wow. Adam and the, and she made us learn poems and she made us write all the time and yeah and but she told me she said your world is so much bigger than what you've been through. She didn't know exactly what I had been through but because of her years of experience she could tell I had been through something and she would just give me affirmations and she would just be a blessing to me like what educators are supposed to do and she, but she would also always say your world is so much bigger than what you've been through. Yeah. And I bought into that. Like that broke the trance that was on my life concerning my behavior. It broke the trance. And so she would help pay for my field trips. You know, she would help just make sure I was okay. And I appreciated that. So we had back then they had it the looping system where they would keep you with the same teacher for a couple of years. So I had her for seventh and eighth grade. I bought into education. I bought into it because my father would say education will be your ticket out. I'm like, well, let me (laughs) sign me up. Cause I'm out of here, you know, and then Ms. Adams helped me buy into education. So I went from tragedy to tenacity. I would work hard. I would work hard in school. I love school. I love to learn. I love being at school because really it was still my safe place. Mm. You know, I was still carrying that emotional baggage. So school was my safe place. Somebody say, let's go. I always had a suitcase pack. Somebody say, we're going on the road. I'm ready. <laughs> and then we went from 
tragedy to tenacity and then the triumph in my life. And the triumph in my life is my mother didn't graduate from high school. She stopped at 11th grade. Um, She had a lot of shame and guilt in her life. You know, I learn this stuff as I get older. And I learned to understand why people do what they do. But I went on to the University of Wisconsin-Madison from Chicago, (laughs) from Chicago to University of Wisconsin. Me? Wow. You know, coming from where I've been, coming from being born out of wedlock, me going to the University of Wisconsin, I went and I filled out my financial aid forms myself because they weren't going to fill them out. They, you know, they didn't fill them out. And so I filled them out. My father was left-handed, and it turns out that I'm ambidextrous as well. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. So I filled out my financial aid forms, and I filled it out with my left hand. Nice. And I got there. Now my finance, he, you know, he knew about it. It's not like I did it behind his back, but he's, that new math, I can't help you with that. It's not a new math. It's an application, (laughs) you know, and so so I filled that out and I got accepted. I got accepted to some universities and my father would always talk about the word Ivy League and all Uh that. I'm like, Ivy League, you know, but what he was doing was just pouring into me. You know, you can go to Princeton. Me? You can go to Yale. Me? Mm. I think I'll go to Wisconsin. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's far enough to be away from home, but not too far that if I need to come back, I can. Yeah. Knowing in my heart, I ain't never coming back. Mm. But still, it, that cushion is there. Because if I went out to Boston or out to the East Coast, that's too far. Who gonna pop, who's going to help me with my ticket? Yeah. You know, but I could take the bucky, the Badger bus line back to the O'Hare and then take the L back into the city. So I went, I graduated from the University of Wisconsin. I waited three weeks for my books to come, but you know, I had that tenacity and that perseverance. I went to the library and used the books at the library until my financial aid kicked in, until my books came. Wow, That's what I did. It's like I was resourceful. I had survival in me. I had that fight in me. And so, yeah, I graduated from the University of Wisconsin, undergraduate degree. Now, my GPA wasn't high, and you know, it wasn't worth bragging about. But guess what? They didn't stamp on my diploma my degree. They stamped on my diploma, you have successfully completed the requirements for your baccalaureate. (laughs) They didn't stamp on there that I was born out of wedlock. They didn't stamp on there that my uncle molested me. They didn't stamp on there that my mother had made choices in her life that put me in harm's way. They didn't stamp on there that I slept on the floor. They didn't stamp on there that I negotiated to keep my brother alive. I negotiated with this grown man. Because he said, "If if, if you don't, I'll hurt your brother. So as a child, I was negotiating, but they didn't stamp on there my negotiational skills. Mm. They stamped, you have successfully completed the requirements. Then I had the audacity. My father used to use big words. I had the unmitigated audacity (laughs) to go and get a master's degree. (laughs) 
And the only reason I got it was because the dean said, your GPA isn't high enough to go to grad school. Um, so now. Challenge accepted. I'm going to grad school. <laughs> and I went to the same university, University of Wisconsin, where you said my GPA wasn't high enough. Now, granted, I had to get in there on probation. I don't care how you let me in. I do not care how you let me in as long as I get in and I'll finish. And I did. That's the triumph from tragedy to nacity to triumphant, to being persistent, to be having that determination that I don't care what I've been through. I I see my future as being bright Mm. because people poured into me. And so with that, I met my husband. We've been married 34 years. He has a Ph.D. in pharmaceutical research and development. He came from humble beginnings as well. Wow. He came from struggles as well. But he was a dreamer, too, is a dreamer, too. And so he's from the Ninth Ward. And he went all the way to graduated magna cum laude from Xavier and then went to the University of Wisconsin. That's where we met. He was working on his Ph.D. I was finishing up undergrad to go to graduate school. And that's what I did. Then we had the audacity to have four kids. (laughs) I don't know why anyone would be that crazy. Okay, (laughs) I got four of my own. (laughs) But but the real deal is if I were going to have kids, if God was going to bless me. I wanted to be the best parent that I could be. I wanted to break those cycles. I wanted to to be there. I wanted to know that child's language. I wanted to know the way you put your backpack down. I can tell if you had a good day. Mm. I paid attention to those details. I thank God for allowing me to do that. I thank God for opening up my mind to be able to do that. Because I could have still been stuck in those same patterns of destruction and dysfunction. But God opened up my heart and my mind to see it a different way. And so I was available to the kids. And my husband agreed with me on being available to the kids. There's no judgment on people that put their kids in daycare or whatever you got to do for your household. But for me, psychologically and emotionally, if I'm going to have kids... I got to be there for them. So I'm grateful for that. So we got four kids. We got Tiffany, Tyler, Trina, and Thomas, and all four of them have graduated from college. Two of the four have bought their own homes. The two babies, they bought their own homes. You know, I had them close in age so that I wouldn't make too many mistakes. You know, that older kid always feels like if only you would have had me with the other kids, I could have benefited from your growth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we say that to our uh, oldest sometimes, too. Hey, sorry, we're still figuring it out. (laughs) Yeah. So they're all two years apart, but um, they've all done well. And uh, we're just we're just living, living our best life, but we're living it in a victorious way that it's not that God just just, uh, you know, saved us for us, but he saved us to be a blessing to others. And so in my line of work. I've had the opportunity when I'm in the school system and I'm in my classrooms and I see a kid acting out and just totally out of control. I, my pain is different from their pain. Where it happened is different, but pain is pain. Mm. 
pain is pain. Pain has no age limit or no age restrictions or no financial boundaries. Pain is pain. That's right. And so God has allowed me to have a heart to tap into that, to recognize that, and to be graceful with that person. Because my teacher was graceful with me. Esther Adams? Ethel Adams. Ethel Adams. Yep. Yep. She's in her 80s. She still reaches out to me. Hallelujah. And God is so good. I am so grateful because now in my life, almost approaching 60, I'm 58 now. But the way I look at everything that happened then is so different now. And the Bible says when we were a child, we think as a child, we thought as a child. But, you know, now that I'm an adult, those those feelings of abandonment. Yeah, they were real. Those feelings of being lonely. Uh, Andre Crouch wrote a song and it talks about through it all. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. You know, why me? And as I met my husband and as we navigated these 34 years, somewhere along the lines, he said in our in my 20th year of marriage, he said, you don't have to be sad when July comes anymore because none of those people can ever hurt you. You don't have to, you don't have to memorialize it in a bad way. It's a month of freedom, so why don't you celebrate your freedom that nobody can ever hurt you again? Mm. For some reason that made sense. <laughs> it one, makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and once again that trance was broken. That trance was broken. And and I like I said, we've been married thirty four years, so for fourteen years I've been living that okay, let's tackle July. You know, let's do something n- not to isolate that those particular days, but to celebrate every day that we can go, we can breathe. I love outdoors. I love looking up into the sky. I love just thanking God. God, you are so great. You are so awesome. You are so you are so merciful because I used to say, why me? But when I look at people, I say, why not me? Hmm. You know, I feel like now it's like I can help you. I I, I can help you if you want to be helped. I I've been there. I I've been lonely. I I've been rejected, and I know that through it all, through it all, God still loves me. I I tap into this Snickers. Like I said, I didn't know you were gonna offer me this, but when you sat it down here. It, emo- it immediately went to that emotion of of that innocent unbrokenness. And I appreciate this. You know, I appreciate you doing that because I didn't want to do it. I was like, uh, nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> well, I, I think there are people that want to hear that. Yeah. And uh, your, your Snickers might not be much by the time we uh, <laughs> every time you get to it i've got to give you a spoon this chocolate right here it's but, good it's still um, good the brokenness you know that I, I actually think about the future you know paul says that for i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory to be revealed yeah and then he talks about the brokenness of the world the creation is groaning we ourselves are groaning. We're we're hoping for this day when there is no more brokenness. Yes. And uh, 
I think we will see that day, actually, that, that there will be a day yeah. that everything that's broken will be put back together and it'll be put back together in a way that's even better. And maybe it's even better for having had all of these awful things happen to us. Yeah. So that um, only God can get the glory. Mm-hmm. I can't say I fixed it myself. Yeah. I can't say my husband fixed it. I can't say Miss Adams fixed it. But God used them. And the thing about it is the greatest joy of going through all of this is when I get a kid, when I'm on my lunch break in my room, minding my business, and a kid, you mind if I eat lunch in here? And I'm like, you had every other place you could pick. Why are you picking my room? All right, you get that corner way over there and don't mess up my woosah moment. And next thing you know, you know, they'll come back and we having a conversation and they'll say, this is happening to me or this happened to me and I'm mad about it. I never asked you about it, but for some reason, God chose to bring us together. And in that moment, it helps reaffirm that's why you went through what you went through so you can bless that one. Mm. And they, you know, Miss Morris, this happened and then they'll tell me, well, this happened to my sister and this happened to me and this happened to my family and how do we navigate? And a lot of times I can't take away what happened, but I can give you some suggestions on how to move forward and how to live victoriously and how to say, God, it's my desire that I be healed from this. How to turn your heart from that pain and turn your heart to God. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I think I shared this with you yesterday when we, or Tuesday when we were talking. Mm-hmm. Is it 1 Corinthians 2 or 2 Corinthians 1? I always mix up those numbers. Blessed be the God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction yes. so that we may comfort others in their affliction with the comfort which we ourselves have received. Absolutely. And we don't know why, you know, why me, why this, why this way, why... Uh, I don't know that we'll ever have that answer. No. But somehow God does use it and brings us together with other people. I Um, used to not understand all things work together. All? All? But now at my age and my experience, yeah, all. All. All is for that person. All is for that boy. All is for that girl. All is for that wife. All is for that husband. I've had men tell me about their brokenness. Mm. I've had women tell me about their brokenness. I've had kids tell me. And it manifests itself one way or another through either drugs or alcohol or behaviors and all of that. But I've had people disclose to me this happened. You're the only person I ever told this to. You're the only person that I ever felt, you know, I'm just telling you this happened to me and I never knew how to deal with it. And somehow when I met you, I just felt comfortable telling you. Yeah. Well, there it is. You're, you're doing it. And we have uh, some comments here on Facebook. You know, you were wondering if your story is something people want to hear. I loved hearing your story. Somebody's got on here. So thank you, Deanna. There was another scripture passage that came to mind as you were talking, and I'm not remembering exactly where it is. I think it's also in either 1st or 2nd Corinthians. Uh, 
And it talks about uh, taking every thought captive mm-hmm. to the Word of God. Yeah. And, you know, you going through that story really reinforced something that I've actually been kind of dealing with myself, that it's our thoughts about what happens that really trap us more than what happens to us. Yeah. And and just, you you described it exactly that way. You know, you just, hey, I thought of it this way. And then all of a sudden somebody gave me this other perspective. And as soon as I was able to think of it differently. Yes. I was free. And it's like, let this mind be in you, mm. which is also in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. It didn't say let what you've been through carry it with you. It said let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. These scriptures changed my life. Mm-hmm. There's one that says if there's any virtue or praise, think on these things. Think on things that are lovely and honest and true and of good report. Good report? All I got is a bad report. <laughs> You know, but it, but it's like, think on these things. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these. And I told you in our conversation the other day, God kept bringing back, suffer the little children. Yeah. To come and forbid them not come on to me. And then he, he, he like, leave them alone. Let them come because they're innocent, because they're pure. And I'm like, okay, God, I get it. It took all these years. And then it took Pastor Amel to come to me and say, I want you to do this. And I'm like, that scripture just kept resonating with me. And he says, and then he he laid his hands on them. He prayed and he departed. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I never saw that part. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but with it, be careful who you entertain because you're entertaining angels unaware. Those people that come to me, they, they're coming for a reason. There's a, there's something in my life. I don't know. I'm like, what you want? I'm just trying to eat my lunch. <laughs> and, and there are these incredible encounters that are just awaiting. Yes. And God wants us to be available. Are you available? Are you available with your brokenness? Are you available with your disappointments? Because those disappointments can launch you and propel you for the kingdom of God. Mm. My husband always said, everybody has a story. And that my, I was like, my story is too much. You know, and as I get older, I finally tap into the emotion of it because I've had to be so strong in my life all these years. And then I turn 50 and all of a sudden tears just kind of sneak down my cheek and I'm like, hold up, hold up. And then I turn 58 and it's like you you see I'm sitting here like fetching, fetching tears and stuff. And and even though my voice is 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 exuberant and excited about the opportunity but there's that emotion that's behind my my eyes that hey here comes a tear but god sees our tears pastor larry taught us that god sees our tears and he he sees our our discomfort and he takes it into consideration and he bottles it up and god keeps the perfect record and I bought into that scripture. 
<laughs> well, and Jesus wept. And Jesus wept. Even Jesus himself was so overcome by the grief of his friends. This is John 11. You yeah. Know, Lazarus, his friend, and Mary and Martha. And, right. Uh, he's died. and Being mad at the disciples for not trusting that I'm going to awaken my friend. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus said. I'm going mm-hmm. to awaken... Oh, excuse if me, Jesus. Asleep, <laughs> yeah, they like Jesus. He dead, and now they become omnipotent and omniscient. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things you know, we talked a couple about th- a couple of things. You said uh, all things working together for good, and it made me think about Jesus because Jesus is by far the one person that endured the worst. Right. Yes. Um, we don't necessarily deserve our suffering, but suffering is in the world because of sin, of which we are also a part. Yeah. And Jesus is the only truly holy, perfect, innocent, pure person that's ever lived. And he came and got the worst of it all. Yeah. And uh, God used that, the worst injustice. Yes. The, the greatest sense of abandonment and failure. You know, yes. my God, my God, why have you forsaken right. me? Well, so that I don't ever have to forsake anyone else. That's right. So you were not forsaken, not forsaken. in your story. I'm not forsaken in my story. Amen. No one's forsaken in their story. Yeah. Uh, and then one thing that I think Christians don't get enough credit for, or we don't do a good job of this, or... We don't talk about it enough, you know, mentioning it, taking every thought captive to the word of God. Um, It also says we walk by faith, not by sight. Right. And when it says we walk by faith and not by sight, that means the opposite of faith is not thinking. And faith doesn't mean not thinking. Faith means thinking, and and taking steps without necessarily seeing where all of the steps lead. Exactly. Uh, I think Martin Luther King Jr. has a quote, hope or or faith is going up a set of stairs. I'm not saying it right. I'm paraphrasing. Going up a set of stairs, but without seeing the next step. All, all you see is the next step, something like that. Right. And uh, so that doesn't mean you're not thinking. Right. right. <laughs> it just means you can't see everything you want to see. Right. Uh, but we would do well to think about what we have in Jesus mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. And so much of what trauma does to us, pain does to us, uh, challenges, it's, uh, I think the world's message is don't think about it, just keep going. Exactly. And Jesus says, think about it, but think yeah. about it in this way, yeah, in a new way. And and having said that, there's a scripture and, you know, I, I, it just says, what then? Shall we say to these things, if God, what then shall we say to all of these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That was that was another trans break. (laughs) I was like, what if God? Then it doesn't matter if your uncle or your stepfather or whatever is against you. Right. God is for you. He's for us. And he shows us that we're going to go through tragedy. 
we're going to go progress to tenacity and we have an obligation to be triumphant that's my story it's quite a story amen you said tragedy tenacity triumph wasn't there another one that was it vindication or um I just did the three T's. The three T's, okay. Yeah, no, vindication, that's not on my, that's not or for some, me. I, I just feel like there was one other one that maybe mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I... I've stuck with that. And I, I actually came up with that for my 30th year anniversary. We were on a ship, uh, on a cruise then. We waited 30 years to go on a cruise. And so we happened to go, and I was in the back of the... Uh, ship just enjoying the water and I was by myself and the, the ray of sunshine hit me and I had my journal and I saw a, a guy sitting across from me and he had a colostomy. I could clearly see his cl- colostomy bag wow. through his shirt and I'm on. I'm in the corner. I'm, I'm very observant. My husband calls me eagle eye and uh and uh, that's a probably a survival mechanism too, it though. Very if we well just be. be so. I see the guy with his colostomy bag and he's poking through his shirt, and and I see his vulnerable uh, vulnerability at that moment and his you know his exposure. I see it, and and I can see that with my eyes. And I thought about this the uh, book by John C. Maxwell, and he talks about. Uh, a, a situation where the tattoo and you can get all kinds of tattoos on you and people can see that oh oh that's when a kid was born oh that's when somebody died you know you put all these tributes on you and and you can see what they've been through and I was thinking but you know my address was eleven thirty seven is it, that building is no longer there so I could say it it's eleven thirty seven South Mozart I told you I remember stuff. Mm. You can't see my tattoo because it's in my forehead. Oh, yeah. But I could see his colostomy. You know, I could see this situation over here. I could see your tattoos and where you've been and what kind of tributes you have or whatever. But you can't see my tattoos. But on that ship, on that cruise ship, as I was writing, the Holy Spirit poured into me tragedy tenacity triumph and he said that will be your you know that will be what you will speak to the people and i'm like well when am i gonna speak it uh apparently 3 30 ish on <laughs> thursday august uh was it today the 18th 17th <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> something like that what's today the 18th Isn't yeah i think so 20th is saturday 21st Sunday. it sure is yeah See how see how relaxed I am. I don't forgot about the day. We must be in pandemic time. <laughs> you know, I would wake up and I didn't even know if it was Tuesday or Thursday. Well, you got it right. You show up the right place, right time. Uh, and you do have eagle eyes because we met on Tuesday, and I thought, oh well, she hasn't maybe met me before, other than that brief exchange, and and then you came in expecting to do this Tuesday. And I felt terrible about it because I've sort of roped people into this without maybe them knowing enough about it. And they're kind of caught off guard. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to do it right this time. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen you all over. I've seen you here. I've seen you there. I've seen you. I'm like, 
Oh boy, <laughs> I hope I was behaved. You were. Um, but uh, everybody does have a story. Everybody does have something burned into their brain, not necessarily their skin. Yes. And uh, we gotta. I think we gotta share the stories about how God has brought us through those things more so than the victories. Yes. You know, the, yeah. it is a victory, but hey, my life is great, and that's why you should believe in Jesus. And people go, Mm-mm. well, that's not me. My life ain't great. So, oh, yeah. And I have a hard time believing your life is so great. Yeah. But if you tell me that you've gone through something. And you, I made some mistakes along the way, and they weren't mistakes. They were choices. Mm. You know, as a result of what I've been through, I made some choices. I made some strategic choices, if you want to call them that. You know, the kids say, you just speak with so much emphasis. I'm, yeah, I made some strategic choices. That's a nice way of putting it. You know, yeah. but um, God God gave me mercy. He uh, sing a song, Oh, Lord, have mercy. And God gave me mercy. Um I thank God for giving me mercy. I thank God for covering me. I thank God for when those times that I wanted to just go out and just make my own path because I felt like nobody had my back, you know, but God always had my back and he always sent his angels to, to take charge over my life. Hmm. You know, um, as a teenager, I I spiraled. Because I was still mad from being wounded as a seven-year-old. Mm. Tell me what, you know? Um, so I spiraled. And then I, God just started sending the right people in my life. And I started just believing, believing that there was a better way. Yeah. You know, I, I should be dead. I should I could be strung out on drugs. I had every reason to go the wrong direction. I had legitimate reasons to go in the wrong direction. I didn't go all the way in the wrong direction cuz God said, "I got you." Mm. And it wasn't a U-turn, it was a change to change, just change, just let's change. Mm. You know, I didn't have to go back and see all that stuff. He said, I'm going to give you a new, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things come new. Mm -hmm. I was like, I I bought into that one. Yeah. You know, I bought bought into the Old Testament talks about how long do I have to go around this mountain? (laughs) But, but, but I learned patience and, and, you know, when people call me out of the blue, they say call you out of the blue. People call you out of the blue, out of that blues of this depression and whatever. People call you a hello. Stephen Covey says a simple hello can change a person's life, can save a person's life. Mm. Seven habits of highly effective people. Amen. These are books that I read like 20, 30 years ago, but they matter in my life because they were impactful. They broke the trance. Amen. A simple hello. I don't know what you're going through, but hello. Right? Because that can just snap you out of it. And that's what happened to me sometimes. Hey, how you doing? That simple 
hi, hello. It can make or break a person's day. Yeah. And I'm willing to I'm willing to make your day. Make my day. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. I it's like when we prayed before we started and I just thanked God for open doors and then I was like he thinks I'm probably praying on behalf of the open door church name no, no, is no, open no, no, door. No, 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 I know what you're saying. <laughs> but it's like open door, but what a coincidence, you know? Not a coincidence, but what a divine uh, uh, intersection. I knew exactly what you were going for with yes, that, sir. so don't worry. Okay. Well, this is a difficult topic, right? It's uh, sad stuff, but there is the triumph yes. at the end yes. that it doesn't have to keep you down and and sometimes just the simplest thing a hello recognizing everybody's kind of going through something yes i'm not very good about that you know i just i got my destination and everybody else is kind of in the way uh, oh, no. <laughs> i'm from new york originally oh, right, so right. everybody's got a place to go you know you're you're not thinking about it. you got blinders on you got your schedule you got mm-hmm. and then there are these people and people are pretty important to God. Yes. Priceless treasures yes. to God. Come on. And uh, maybe we need to be thinking more like that. And then thinking about how our story can be a a source of encouragement yes. for people. The, the, the not so great part of our story. Yes. Because the not so great part of our story means that where we are right now is a victory. Yes. An incredible victory. And uh, I think a lot of people that want to have, they want to act like they have it all together. Yeah. And eventually Christianity ain't all that important to people that have it all together. What do you need Jesus for? Exactly. And uh, I think we're going to find more and more as the church changes in America that uh, it's going to start to become more appealing. That's right. To people that are suffering. That's right. More so than all the people with all the money and all the power and all the influence and right and all that kind of stuff those things are falling apart i told you that so. um the kids at school they'll drop something on the floor that's the janitor's job and i'm like no no we're in this together mm. we're in this together i need them and they need me that's my philosophy we're in this together i'm not better than you you're not better than me. You have a different skill set than me, but I have skills to offer. Yeah. That's that's it. We've all we've all experienced something like you said, we all have a story. I had a kid that he lost both of his parents by the time he was 13 years old. Wow. Well, I had read the book Tuesday Mornings with um Allie or Tuesday mornings was Maury. Maury, yeah. yeah. I read that book. But me reading that book blessed that young man to say this man lost both his parents by the time he was nine years old. Wow. So I, it's like God allows me to do stuff so that when you come into my life, I can say, hey, there's somebody that went through what you went through. The pain may be different, but pain is pain. Pain is pain. We got to add that to your uh, tragedy, tenacity, okay. triumph, and pain is pain. Pain is pain. P's and T's. Right. <laughs> so you work in the public school system. You also work with another organization 
trying to help kids in in difficult situations. Uh, what was the name of that? I did. It closed up. Did, okay. Yeah, that closed up. That's where. That's that was a long time ago. Not long, long. But yeah, I worked. It used to be called K Bar B. That was just for a summer job. Because when school's out, then I kind of do other jobs in the summer. So mm-hmm. I worked at K Bar B. That was for ages eighteen, um, eleven to eighteen, and it was like a detention center. Um, those individuals had been uh, placed in the system one because they kept running away, so they were court uh, under court authority. Their parents either were deceased or incarcerated. Mm. So they were orphans pretty much, but they had done a few things along the way that <laughs> that um, got them a, a legal relationship. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. So um, I did that. And then I was a home-based mental health counselor. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. And uh, my kids insisted that I come and substitute teach at their schools. And I'm like, you don't want me there. Yeah, we do. We want you there. And I eventually went and... Uh, my kids, they always, mom, this kid needs you. Mm-hmm. They always bring in, mom, this kid really needs you. I'm like, dude, you know. Uh, but they, they, I appreciate them because they see my walk. They see, they know what I've been through. They understand the triumph. They understand the tragedy. And they understand the tenacity, hard work, mm-hmm. you know, so I appreciate them for appreciating what I what I tried to do for them. They want it for their friends. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, and so That's a but, good thing. Yeah, I gave I gave that up and went full time in the schools and so it's just been a journey, you know, even through the church. Whatever I do, I just try to put my best foot forward. You mentioned the Martin Luther King but one of my poems that I make the kids memorize, those who, you know, I'm working really in depth with, I make them re- memorize Langston Hughes' poem, Life for Me Ain't Been No Crystal Stair. Mother to, to, Mother to Son is the official title, Mother to Son by Langston Hughes. And he says, Life for Me Ain't Been No Crystal Stair. You know, it's had crooks and turns in it, and I've been on on broken boards that or boards that were torn and bare where there ain't been no carpet, and I've had to go in go into places where there ain't been no light, but I'm still climbing. Mm. I'm still climbing, and I'm still reaching landings. And she says, "So, boy, don't you quit because you find life is kind of hard. <laughs> don't you fall." Cause I'm still climbing and life for me ain't been no crystal stair. I messed it up, paraphrasing it, whatever, but you get the point. That's one. That's, that's me. When, when Ms. Adams made me learn that one Mm. life for me, you know? Yeah. But that's a faith. And I made some of them dissect that poem, (laughs) dissect it. Well, it's a faith poem. It's about faith. Because when you go into places that are dark and ain't got no light and you don't know what the next turn is or what the next step is going to be, you got to have faith. Mm. You don't know it's faith when you're a child, but when you become an adult, I feel like I'm preaching. I sound like I'm preaching. But when you become an adult, you understand that's faith going into places and you don't know how you're going to get out. 
That's faith. But God will give us an escape. Amen. Amen. God will give us an escape and he will send his angels. Hey, I, did you need anything? <laughs> you know, that's that's what my neighbor said. She was my angel. I, I heard you. What's going on? Amen. Amen. Yeah. So there are a lot of people uh, that probably need to hear that. And um, thinking about the people we bump into in life, I, I got some statistics on abuse, sexual abuse, mm-hmm. sexual assault. I don't know if they're accurate or not. And I, I thought maybe you would know if you're dealing with kids that are dealing with that kind of stuff in your education. But so just correct me if I'm wrong, I guess is what I was going for there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I looked a few things up today. Two different sites, I think both reputable. I didn't write down the one was the CDC and one was a major organization that's trying to prevent this, right? Um, One in four girls and one in 13 boys. Yeah, that's the same information I have. I can't tell you the source either. I do know that um, while I was out last week, we just got back. Um, I saw a documentary, and it was on women in Africa. I can't remember which country. This just happened where they were models, and they were out there doing their shoot, and the the visitors were coming in and just molesting the women, and it's pretty common. Mm. But um, that really just broke my heart like it it reconnected like here i go again triggering yeah yeah triggers definitely and the 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 one woman said it happened to me when i was a child and i thought i got over it but now it happened to me again and it made me feel like why do i even keep going mm. when she said that i just felt her pain through the airwaves but yeah, the information that I've always read was one in four, and it and for this situation, it said like every twelve minutes, you know, somebody is being abused or neglected or mistreated along these lines that we're speaking. I saw. I apologize for not being able to give no, you a okay. source. That's okay. I uh, I found something. I think it was every nine minutes, someone is investigating it and corroborates that someone is in fact in a situation like this. Mm -hmm. But that to me tells me that that's happening way more often. Definitely. Because that's just when they're actually uncovering it. Definitely. And so there are a lot of people uh, out there struggling with these kinds of things and Mm -hmm. just got to want to be gentle with them, especially kids who act in, uh, like you described earlier for yourself, They're, they're acting out in ways that, are the only ways they know how. Right. They they, they haven't been able to put words to it, or no. even if they put words to it, sometimes the mother can't leave the guy because she thinks that's her only source of survival. Mm. You know, sometimes she can't leave because there are some physical consequences that may come about. Yeah. I actually asked my mom one time as, as uh, we were mending our relationship, And I asked her, why did you encourage me not to go to court? And she told me, because they threatened her. They threatened, she said, they threatened me, meaning her. 
that's what she told me. But I did ask. Mm. It's like why did why why didn't we go to court? Why did you try to talk me out of it? Why did you tell me the they're going to ask you too many questions? Why did you put that in my head? Mm. And she said because they had threatened her. That seems I accepted, plausible. Yeah, yeah, I accepted that as her truth. I had the audacity to ask her, so she answered. <laughs> you know, and I'm not mad. I, I've forgiven my mom. The, I, I, I learned as an adult, the Bible says, honor your father and your mother. Mm. And I kind of wanted to talk to God about that one. You sure? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. I didn't say honor your father or your mother because they're rich. I didn't say honor your father or mother because they're poor. I didn't say honor them because they made the right choices. I didn't say honor them because of any conditions I told you to honor them. Hmm. Yes, Lord. That it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, maybe we'll have to come back and uh, get back together and have you share a little bit about forgiveness, that journey. That's got to be definitely something all on its own. Yeah. And you still have a little bit of a Snickers bar left. I do. But I go ahead and get you a spoon Mm -hmm. because you're going to need a spoon to finish that. Um, (laughs) I might need a spoon. You know, when I'm on Facebook, I'm always eating something or doing something where I'm eating a snowball or or sampling something. So I'm like, "Mm, it's still good. It's still good. All right. Good, good, good. Well, we don't make we don't let ice cream go to waste around here. No, sir. No, sir. I appreciate Uh, you for allowing me to come and spend time with you and tell my story. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm glad to give you this opportunity. Uh, You know, it's something that I sort of stumbled into a little bit myself and you know i think there are a lot of people out in the world that may never set foot in church right right and that doesn't mean that they can't have an encounter with jesus amen there are there are going to be too few churches doing things the way they're supposed to be doing them right and and sharing the good news and uh, there's just too many people that need to hear it so so this is for churches, Christians, church people, right. uh, Christians that aren't in churches, and then for people that are maybe just curious and yeah. aren't really sure or wandered away or, you know, whatever. The, there's a variety of situations you can find people in. Right. But this is something that kind of gets over the the church baggage that we're dealing with yes you know a lot of people don't want to set foot in church they've heard all kinds of bad theology from bad preachers and bad mm-hmm. uh church bodies institutional denominations things like that yes uh, so so why not just go straight to the people just that's right that's you know, right we can do that now yeah we just had church we did. We did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God, you are awesome. That's right. Hey. He is. He's pretty awesome. So thank you for coming on. And uh, anybody out there, you got a story you want to share, I'd love to have you on here and, and share a little bit of your story, how Jesus is sweet, how you've seen and, and tasted and seen that the, the Lord is good. 
and uh, just share that with the world and, and with people that that need to know that, that Jesus is more than what they're seeing on the news and 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 what they're hearing from churches the churches that they may not think are all that great and uh there are lots of resources if you are stuck in a situation like we discussed today and uh, uh you can reach out here jesus is sweeter at gmail.com you can uh, we, we can direct you to some of those things you can find them pretty easily online too rain r-a-i-n-n is an organization that is i think it's rape uh, abuse incest and then two ends i forget what the ends are but they're they're working against these things and trying to help people that are in situations like that so lots of resources available out there hotlines and all kinds of other stuff so uh look for that type it into google send us an email we'll get you in touch with it but whatever you're facing there may be tragedy it may require some tenacity but there is always triumph in Jesus. Amen. Good to be with you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is sweeter. We'll catch you real soon. Bye, all. Bye.